This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody, I'm Ian Doyle and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast in association with Footy 5, the new score prediction game from the pools. Simply predict five correct match scores and you could win 25 grand to play Footy 5 for free this week. And visit thepools.com and you must be over 18 and in the UK to play. Now joining me on the podcast, I'm delighted to announce we do have our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pierce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Excellent. Also with us is Dan Kay. Hi, Daniel. Hello there, Ian. And last but very much not least, it's the most easterly member of the sports desk. It's Connor Dunn. Hi, Connor. Good afternoon, Ian. How are you? I am just as good as I was about three seconds ago when good James asked, but I like it when people ask me, because often when others are on, they don't want to know. It's nice to check. It is, isn't it's it? nice to be It nice. might change. <laughs> Moods are very changeable. Now, James, would you say that Jurgen Klopp was in a little bit of a mood today? His press conference, me and you were down at Melwood. He didn't seem the cheeriest sort, and it's, it's almost as though what happened against Red Star Belgrade on Tuesday is still playing on his mind. Yeah, I couldn't really work out whether he was annoyed and angry at how bad Liverpool were in Belgrade still, or whether he was annoyed at what he felt had been an overreaction to a bad night in Belgrade. Was he, was um, he annoyed at the questions he was getting asked? A little bit, he was, uh, wasn't he? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was it was difficult to, to make sense of at times, wasn't it? I think you know, probably the standout line was, as he said, you know, we win, but then we have to say sorry um, for not winning winning a game in a Man City way, um, which, uh, you know, he, he said, I get it. Um, which you know, I, I think I think you can read into that that he feels as if Liverpool haven't had enough credit for what where they find themselves in the Premier League so far this season. I think you know, he touched upon it, didn't he? He said it, I mean, it's, he said it, this has been a really successful start to the season for us. He said, but it doesn't feel like it. One because we haven't played the free flowing football last season, and two because City and Chelsea have have been that good. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was. Uh, in the in the best of spirits, um, and I think yeah, probably uh, I'm, I'm sure Belgrade uh, still playing on his mind somewhat. Danny's Belgrade still playing on your mind? Um, well, it was obviously not the results or the performance that we were looking for, and it does put our European aspirations in some kind of doubt. Um, it was certainly the worst performance I'd say probably since Swansea away in the league. Um, was it worse than Napoli? You think? I think it was because... Because of the calibre of opposition well, exactly. as well. Hmm. Napoli are clearly a far superior team to Red Star. And I think, what to me, what the most dispiriting thing about it was, I mean, against Napoli, they were 30 seconds away from a perfectly acceptable goalless draw and a point. Now, on, you know, on Tuesday night, they were, Liverpool were two goals down after half an hour and the game finished 2-0. You know, they had an hour to put it right. And for a lot of huffing and puffing... They didn't ever really look like they were going to. They had, there was, they had twenty shots inside the area, though, they, didn't they? Which is a ridiculous yeah, amount. It is, but it you know stats can prove or disprove a lot of things. And you know, a, a few of us have had conversations you know on the night and since then say that it, it did feel like one of those games where they could still be playing now, yeah, and they might not have scored. It was just one of those nights when they seemed to run out of ideas. And obviously, it was it was it was like a World Cup final for Red Star, wasn't it? And in those kind of games, the worst thing you can do is to give the opposition a leg up. Not just not just the team themselves, the fans. Once they got that first goal, and obviously the second goal didn't follow too shortly afterwards, it gave them such a massive infusion of belief that they could compete on you know, a realistic level with Liverpool. I mean, after the first leg, I think 
that was a few days before Cardiff, wasn't it? And there was, even though the result was, results were very similar, 4 0 and 4 1, I remember saying at the time, 4 0 against Red Star flattered Red Star, 4 1 against Cardiff flattered Liverpool. And, you know, Liverpool quite easily put seven or eight past Red Star in the first game. They didn't. And all of a sudden now we're in a situation where they're fortunate that the result went our way with between Paris and Napoli. But um, I think we're all looking for a strong response and reaction against Fulham on Sunday. I mean, Connor, were you massively bothered about what you saw on Tuesday night or was it just as, as Dan suggested it? Partly just one of those games where they could have played all day and not scored because they had all those chances inside the area. Well, they weren't really chances, but there were shots inside the area which suggests that Red Star were quite happy just to put everybody behind the ball, just pack the box and just do numerous blocks. And then when they finally did get through, relied on the goalkeeper. Yeah, I tell you what did concern me a little bit was the fact that, you know, Red Star clearly had that game plan and you could see what they were doing quite early on, especially after they scored the first goal. They got men behind the ball, they got men blocking the shots. And we just looked a little bit all out of ideas. It just seemed to be relying on Salah to do something magic. And to his credit, to be fair, he probably was the best player on the pitch. He's a bit of an outlet, a bit of an attacking threat. But yeah, I just didn't think there was any creativity. I didn't think there was anything, you know, too clever about what was coming from behind him and up to him. Yeah, that was what concerned me, to be honest. But obviously, Ox is a massive miss and Shakiri as well. I mean, do you reckon the decision to leave Shakiri behind is, is ultimately cost Liverpool? <laughs> um, yeah, you'd certainly say it contributed to it. I think, um, having been in the stadium, I was struggling to think how it could have been any noisier or more intimidating if Shakiri had actually been there, to be honest. Was it actually intimidating? It, it looks, was, I mean, it's loud, but we've all been to places that's really loud. The worst atmosphere he's ever played, or the hardest atmosphere he's ever played in. Who's, who said that? Milner. Mil- yeah, I, I saw those quotes from, well, that was. To um, a player, but yeah, Red Star player said that Milner yeah. had said he'd never experienced noise like it in the. Uh, I think the way that the the ground is set up as well, whether anyone who's seen the video of the the, the massive long underground tunnel mm. that leads from the dressing room to the pitch, is you essentially go underneath the kind of Red Star ultras as before you step on the pitch. So you know the you know the, the, the tunnel was essentially shaking with the the noise. Um, I would I would say it wasn't massively hostile. I've been to places where I've been more hostile and you felt that's just towards you safe and yeah <laughs> i think you know it was the Besiktas away yeah um you know that was that was horrible a few years back and i was getting well, that was spat, at the, that was, at the that was me, uh, me and you and me and you were getting spat on but i was going <clears> to yeah. say the Besiktas in the champions league in 2007 I was, yeah when i was there and they got that was kind of a similar game where there was a team Liverpool hadn't started the group particularly well they were playing a team okay mostly they didn't want to beat them eight nil but mm. a team they were expected to win uh beat sorry Went 2 0 down. They got a goal back this time, that time, but they didn't seem to get to grips with the occasion. It was a massive cup final for them. Well, that game was actually at Besiktas' home ground, wasn't it? The more recent one, the was UEFA the Cup game, yeah. was at the Atatürk. The one that I, I do remember, that 2007 one, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't go, but I only watched it on the TV. But I remember thinking that is the loudest crowd I've ever heard on TV. It was, it, that that's, and that was just that's how how much they projected itself through the cameras. It was loud, and what they also did, they also had these massive speakers as well, so mm. they also had people in the crowd making the noise as well, so it's noise on top of noise on top of noise. I, I don't particularly buy into the theory that that will have had an impact on the Liverpool players. I think it will have had an impact on the Besiktas players mm. and, and on, on, on Tuesday night on the Red Star players. I think players of the calibre that Liverpool have, who've played in big, huge matches all around Europe and around, around this country, they shouldn't be affected by that. You know, the, I think they were though, you know. No, 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 no. I, think, uh, yeah. I mean, it should, you're right, it shouldn't happen. But then I think you, the, what, the worrying thing for me is that it's becoming a bit of a pattern in terms of you think back to Roma away in the semi-final mm. and, and Liverpool, 
you know, in, in the end, they, they, they sneaked over the line, didn't they? They didn't really sneak, though, did they? Well, they, they did in terms of... The sense of the score. They didn't play... They I, didn't don't think well, I, I don't think Rowe... I don't think Rowe... I think Rowe... I think Rowe... Well, I, I, I just think yeah. Rowe... You know, and that, that was, a, that was a, a tough atmosphere. They didn't handle that particularly well. Then they went to Naples, and, and again, you know, an intimidating, hostile place, performed really poorly, and then Red Star. To me, that is... It's not just a one-off, is it? That's a... You know, I think well, they've lost the last four Champions League games away from Anfield, including the final. Yeah, the final, I mean, the yeah. final's a bit different, isn't it? Because you were it's a, still away from Anfield, though, isn't no, it? No, but it's not an away game, is it? In terms of the things that go with it, in terms of you know not having many fans there and and being in an intimidating environment. Kiev wasn't intimidating, was it for Liverpool? It was a sea of red in the stadium. Our hotel was slightly intimidating when we were for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the paintings on the wall. It's sort of dungeon. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of Shakiri, I think it was always going to be the case, wasn't it? Where if, if it didn't go well for Liverpool, then of course it was an easy one to hit Klopp with. You know, if only Shakiri had been there. Um, you know, Klopp said himself the night before the game that um, he wanted it to just be a football story. He didn't want it to be about politics and all the rest of it, but. It was, it was just a football story, but, yeah. but just not the one that, yeah. that anyone wanted to read about because Liverpool were absolutely abject. I know Klopp afterwards was, you know, uh, talking up Red Star in terms of they had three or four different players back um, compared to the game at Anfield, and but yeah, Liverpool just, as Dan said, you, in, in that kind of situation, you can't give a team a leg up in a game, and that's exactly what Liverpool did. You know, horrendous to concede from a set piece. And then the second goal, although it's a good strike, you know, you look at it back and Milner had given it away when Aldum shrugged off far too e- easily. And I think even Alisson mm, you know, would be better. disappointed. Well, Matip, uh, could have, Matip could have closed him down. Yeah, well. Matip backing off and letting him shoot. Particularly when you've just conceded yeah, the yeah, as well. Yeah, and there, and there wasn't, although Liverpool <laughs> dominated the second half, you know, as Connor said, it was, I, I never, ever felt that Liverpool were ever going to get back in the game because, you know, Forget the stats, you know, and how many shots Liverpool had inside the box. It was they did it the woodwork twice. I know, but one of them was a, a, a cross that it was also from deflect- Puff, wasn't Yeah, it? they never it was convincing. No, it was never. It was. It was. Yeah, it was never convincing. And is yeah, the, is the just, annoying thing that Red Star, because you know, from having watched it, Red Star aren't very good, are they? No. They're not, no, no, no. They're not very of good. They're not. they're not really not that good. You've got that Milan Pavkov, who obviously enjoyed the, the biggest night of his life. It was like a 300,000 euro sign-in from, from one of the Serbian you, uh, super, super League rivals. Do you not think he looks a little bit like Neil Jones, formerly of a little bit? Does he, yeah? Yeah, I think so, yeah. When he, he scored, I was thinking. Long, yeah, long yeah, yeah, he's got the, yeah, a little bit. He, um, I mean, they, they operate in a, you know, in a completely different world, don't they, to, to Liverpool. That was why... You know, although it was a bit galling on the night, you know, you, you, you're there trying to type up your stuff half an hour after the final whistle, and none of the Red Star fans have gone anywhere really because you know, to them, you're you know, telling to was shut up. Huge. That was, that <laughs> probably was their, their biggest night since yeah, they won it. Since yeah. they won it, yeah, yeah in '91. Yeah. I, I was looking back. I think they did. They had a couple of wins the following season, '92, um, but that was obviously before the proper the, the, the format we know now with the group, the group stages and everything. Um, but yeah, 26 years outside of the Champions League. And I think, I think Liverpool as a collective unit, I think they, I don't think they really, really had a true grasp. They didn't play like they had a true grasp of what it meant to Red Star because they just thought they were, they were first to everything, won battles all over the pitch. Um, and Liverpool got exactly what they deserved. And yeah, they, they were the only saving grace on the night was, you know, just as we were leaving the stadium, hearing that the other game had finished one each because... You know, that it was a great was, game as well. Was it? it was yeah. Really, you know, both teams really went for it. The, I mean, pitch, the pitch wasn't great, was it? 
Uh, I was in here, to be honest. It looked a bit iffy, the pitch. <clears throat> it was just both teams were really good. Both teams really went for it. Cut and thrust attacking football. It, it, it's um, Paris looks on top for large parts of the first half, but then second half, Napoli really came out and put them under big pressure for the first 15, 20 minutes. And when they equalised, probably on about 60, 65 minutes, we were kind of thinking... I think we, we were all aware within a few minutes of our game that basically a draw or a Paris win and we're kind of okay. The one thing we absolutely did not want was mm. a Napoli win. And Napoli must have had a real rocket from the manager because they came. They started the second half like an absolute house on fire. Mm. And then Paris did stabilise things a little bit in the second half. And obviously that... We know the situation now. It kind of... Liverpool, it, 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 to some degree, it doesn't matter what they do in Paris. If they beat Napoli at home by two goals, they're automatically through. But If they beat Paris, they're, they're through. Well, and, and I, I would hope that that is the way they're looking at it. Because it's a big game for, for PSG as well, though, isn't it? Because yeah. they'll know that if they get a positive result, they're more or less through. I, can't, I get the impression that there was a degree of complacency on Tuesday night. I, probably amongst the fan base as, as, as much as anybody else, but certainly for, you know, for, from, from the manager in terms of his team selection and the players themselves. And I think they've had a massive wake-up call and you would hope that they're not cocky enough to think, well, we can just leave our eggs in, what, in a basket and bank on ourselves to beat Napoli at home. Because if Napoli come into that game with something riding on it themselves, they're obviously accomplished side. They will have the knowledge knowing that they've already beaten Liverpool this season. Um, so I think Liverpool, one step at a time, Liverpool have got two very, two very winnable looking league games before then, which obviously we'll come on to shortly, Fulham at the weekend and then full of, uh, Watford away after the international break. And you'd like to think two good wins will hopefully put them in a, in a better frame of mind to go to Paris. Well, Conor Jurgen Klopp, as, as, um, as James said then at his press conference, he mentioned the fact that he believes it's a really successful start to the season for Liverpool, certainly in the Premier League, but it doesn't feel like it. I mean, is that what it feels like to you? You said because, obviously, look at City, they've got two points more. Chelsea, they're both unbeaten. Yeah. And the way that City are, you know, City's got 12 goals in the last two games. They've just scored six and six. Yeah, no, I kind of get that a little bit, but... I think for any Liverpool fan, I know I've followed them since I was young, as you know. So you are a, young, yeah. No, but I mean young, young. So you, you're aware that the Premier League hasn't been the best place for Liverpool to go and compete. And I think the fact, you know, we've got to play City, you've got to play Chelsea before the New Year come, or just like just after New Year, and they'll be where it's won and lost. And I don't think, I think as long as we're in touching distance as we are, I think we can consider it successful anyway. I don't feel like it's been an unsettled season yet at all. Nothing like it. And I think going out the League Cup is probably going to help. No, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that to Joe Rimmer and not knocking around somewhere. Um, also, can I just say... I you can say what you like. It's possibly. It's <laughs> what, what we invited you The only positive to take from the Red Star game would be that they also have a chance of qualifying now. It's given them a massive boost and they're going to treat, obviously treat the Liverpool game like a cup final. Every These next two games they're going to play against PSG and Napoli are going to treat like cup finals and they're going to play for everything they've got to try and get into the last 32. So I think that might help Liverpool coming up as well. Just in terms of how they put in performances against those teams. Yeah, well, they've got Napoli away next, isn't mm. it? Which will be a big, it's a big game for the Burden, doesn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. But it has thrown it very open. much open. I mean, James, what have you made of this? what Klopp said in terms of the start of the season? Does it feel to you as though it's not been as successful as the numbers actually suggest? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, yeah. I think yeah, he made a valid point. You know, it has been it has been successful. And he's. I think he's right as well that the, he picks up on the the feeling that people don't think that way because it's been distorted by well, he the, said, he the said ridiculous he was, standards that City have, have set so far. I mean, he said he picked up on that because of the questions he was getting asked after every game. Yeah. So it's kind of come yeah, from yeah, us, hasn't that, it? Yeah, and then 
I don't know. It's awkward, isn't it? Because it, on the one hand, I feel he's absolutely spot on. That twenty if before if a, before a ball had been kicked in August, someone said you'd have twenty seven points out of thirty three. No one with half a brain would wouldn't have taken that with with the the first eleven games that Liverpool had. But the issue has been that. That, that City and, and and Chelsea have performed at such a high level as well, and probably City more than Chelsea, just because I, I still question whether Chelsea will will be able to sustain that that kind of pace long term. But City are just absolutely relentless, aren't they? When you think they've had to make do without De Bruyne for virtually all, the whole season so far, and um, and I think you know that that's the kind of galling part of it that in most other years having that kind of return at this stage. You'd be a couple of points clear as it is. Not even second, are they? It's, it was absolutely, you know, ri- ridiculous. Um, and the others behind aren't particularly far away either. Yeah. Are they? But then, the, the, then, but then, I, th- I can see it from the other point of view that I, I don't. I keep on seeing people re- harking back to the first half of last season and saying, "Ah, oh, but people forget we didn't play that well in the first half of last season." Ah, oh, but you know, look at the goal return. You know, Firmino's only got two less or whatever. But I don't think I don't think it's right to use the first half of last season as the kind of the, the the kind of the thing you compare it to because Liverpool weren't good enough in the first half of last season and the expectations rightly were a lot higher this time around you know the the reality is that most fans will be you know you most fans don't want to accept you know a top four finish as just you know where last season it would be yeah a top four would be you know that that would definitely be success and you know obviously had a fantastic run in Europe this time around there was that genuine buzz that this is a squad capable of competing for the title so do you think they need to re- do you think they needed to realize that jumping from okay and i know leicester did it and chelsea did it recently but they were almost like chelsea had already obviously won the league two years before that everybody else coming from fourth to first is virtually impossible yeah the jump from going from fourth to first it's so rare that it, it's it's barely happened in the premier league era well i think what informs this is nearly 30 years without a league title yeah and obviously Every time we get close, every you know what every fan is thinking is: is this the year? And I think every every kick of the ball, every result, every coffin spit is analysed through that lens, and it and it does distort things. And I think we all kind of somehow need to kind of take a little step back and try and enjoy the journey. And yeah, you know, there's every chance Liverpool could end this season with ninety points plus, could end the season unbeaten and still not win the league. Yeah. Now, if that happens, I don't think anyone with half a brain can say that it's been a poor season. The reality is the bar has been drastically raised. And that is, that is the, the context that Liverpool are operating in and are having to live, and having to live in. Is that part of the, the issue then, or the worry from fans, is that while last season they were enjoying the journey because the football was that great, yeah. that this season the football hasn't been at its free-flowing best? Well, yeah. And, I mean, and they, they kind of... They can see what the issue is, which is we'll come on to that in a bit, in a bit, which is the midfield, they reckon. Mm. And there hasn't really been, or they don't look as though, you know, Cater's not quite done it yet, not, maybe not had the opportunity. Oxley Chamberlain's injured. There's not that kind of player who can be that link. Well, when we were talking initially about the Red Star game, and I think one of us used the phrase, one of those games, and to a degree it was in that, like we said, we could have played all night and it was just, you know, the spark wasn't there. But by the same degree, I think a lot of fans feel at the moment that a, res- a result and a performance certainly like Tuesday was coming. You know, there's been quite a few matches, wins in recent times, Huddersfield away, Cardiff at home, where they've won. But you've come out the ground thinking, you know, feeling 
just a certain a slight sense of unease and almost hard trying to having to tell yourself, we bloody won today. Don't be don't be a misery arse. Enjoy the moment, live in the moment. But then when you're looking in the bigger picture, um the fluency, the ba- to, to me as much as anything else, it's the balance. The balance of the bit of the midfield has not been right. And I think that ultimately has a knock on effect on the attack. And I think that's why the front players haven't seemed to have that fluidity, that fluency, that almost kind of like telepathy between them that they had, that they showed at times last season when they just seemed to be interchanging and knowing exactly where each other was going to be and exactly where each other was going to run and, and lay the ball off. But I expectations, like I said just, just before, were are always high at Liverpool. And I think arguably going into this season on the back of a, a very positive season last season with a fourth-place finish and a European Cup final. And obviously, finally, the club really kind of punching its weight in the transfer market and bringing in the players that we wanted, particularly defensively. There is that expectation that we were just going to, you know, we were going to, we were going to not necessarily steamroller people, but carry on in the same vein. Football isn't that simple. Every season is different. Once you bring different players, and it's not just what they do on the pitch; it's different personalities around the training ground, and it takes time to gel and adapt, and for everything to kind of like merge together. So, I always expected a tricky first half of the season, and I'm not too dispirited. You know, I'm concerned. But I'm not too dispirited because I, I I never expected Liverpool to be ten points clear at this stage. I mean, James, I'm not sure whether you saw it because obviously you were a bit busy doing your work. But shortly after the final whistle on Twitter, and I'm going to say the F word, Nabil <gasps> Fekir posted a little picture of himself with uh, just a little hashtag. I think it was just to do with Leon, wasn't it? But it was the timing of it. I quite he a lot. Scored didn't he on Wednesday? No, it was on Tuesday. He? he scored on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah he yeah. scored on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. It's tapping from a really crazy scramble. If you, if you get a chance to see, it, it's worth seeing. Yeah, it. But on Tuesday after the game, Liverpool game, he just posted. Maybe he was doing the press conference, but it was the time, the timing of it. Quite a lot of fans picked up on it, and they seem to be a word, James, that obviously Klopp wanted Fekir or a player of his ilk. Didn't get quite that player in. It's going to fall on the midfielders he's got available now to to find that creativity, which we've done this many, many times. But this week's slightly different in the fact that he's actually got all of them available for the first time. He said that in the press conference. And they've all had games. They've all had a chance to settle in the new players. So now he's got a decision. This is Fulham, a team who, okay, not the best defensively, but they'll be a, a team who Liverpool will be expected to knock over, score a few goals. What midfield should he be going for? And should we read, take any signs out of the team that he selects on Sunday? Well, I don't know about signs in terms of long term. In terms of that, will be the makeup. But I think I think it will be a drastically different midfield on Sunday. I, I just think I think he'll he'll go for fresh legs and and new ideas. And I think he'll know that it it wasn't just at Red Star, was it? It's been an issue all season. The lack of creativity for midfield. And you know, when when the really big games, you know, against kind of top top four rivals come along, you know, he he has. You know he has that almost tried and trusted three, doesn't he? Of um, you know when they're fit of Henderson, Wijnaldum, Milner, um, but clearly in a game like this on Sunday, you know it's such a different type. You need more creativity, and arguably need more creativity even in those bigger games because the problem has been that the front three haven't been firing to anywhere near the the same level. So you're looking at the midfield uh, to give you more going forward. So I, I, well, I think Naby Keita has to come back in. I think you'd like to think that. That Sunday will be, you know, like the the real start for him at Liverpool because it's been so stop start so far with you know, a really decent debut against West Ham and then I thought he was you know he was okay in patches did a, did alright at Wembley um, but we haven't we haven't when you think of the the hype and expectation that accompanied his arrival 
he hasn't come close to delivering with that. Um, you know, this, and then and and, I, and I'd I'd like to see Kaiser and Henderson in the same mm. team actually. With, Would you pick them Kiri. both, even though they're both coming back from injury? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Only because so I think, I. yeah, because I, I think Kaiser's had like the best part. Well, he's had a week's full training now. Um, Is it Kaiser or Kater? Kater. Kater, Kater, what are we saying? Nabby. Nabby, yeah, Nabby. Nabby's we'll call been back Nabby. in full training yeah. for a week. Um, and, and, you know, Henderson as well stayed behind, didn't go to Belgrade um, to build up his fitness. And Henderson has only been out for a couple of weeks, hasn't he? So I wouldn't have any worries there. And and I think um, whether he whether he do, goes 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, um, but I think you've got to, against Fulham, you have to you have to find room for Shakiri. You know, I think yeah. I think he, he will have been gutted not to have gone to Red Star. He'd, when he was he'd been asked about it, he'd, he'd made it clear he wanted to brave whatever reception was going to await him there. That decision was taken out of his hands. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't see a, a big response from the little Swiss fella on Sunday. The Blood Red Podcast brought to you by Footy Five. Play today at thepools.com. It's almost as though you've written that already. I have done. <laughs> uh, Dan, would you agree? What would be your midfield makeup? We may as well just look at the midfield. I, w- I wouldn't argue game. with that, to be honest. I was thinking myself. Henderson and K- I, I know where you're coming from, the fact that they've, I don't think either of them have kicked a, a ball for the first team in probably three or four weeks now. And without wanting to fall into the same trap of complacency that we talked about in the context of Tuesday, you know, Fulham are, look, woeful at the minute. They, they've you know conceding record numbers of goals. The manager looks like he's on the brink of the sack. Me and Ian certainly will be old enough to remember Liverpool putting 10 past them in the Littlewoods Cup. Yes, I do remember that. 30 odd years ago, James probably is as well. Um, The Littlewoods Cup was the League Cup, by the way, Connor, (laughs) just in case you didn't know. (laughs) One of its previous incarnations. Um, But I I can't really think of a better um, game for those two to come back into. Shakiri for me, is is an absolute no-brainer. I mean, to be honest, thinking back on it, I mean, I I remember doing, I think, the podcast, probably um, the, the Monday after Cardiff, and I was even though there wasn't too much agreement around the table, I remember coming out the ground, a lot of people saying after Cardiff, he's got to start at Arsenal, Shakiri, he's got to start at Arsenal. Now, I suppose in the context of it being a tough away game against the, you know, a top Premier League team, who obviously at the time were flying, you know, they're unbeaten in like 12 or 13. In in that context, I can understand why he maybe wanted to be a bit more solid in midfield. However, you kind of have to imagine that they probably would already have been very much thinking that they weren't going to take into Belgrade by that stage. So in that context... It now seems a bit of a strange decision, as does the decision really to play Fabino there and then not play him in Belgrade when it was always going to be a bit of a, of a, of a battle. And it seems to be that, that, that Fabino, that tackling really is one of, so far, one of his key assets that really seems to have been standing out. But yeah, in, in, in short, I would, that, that same three, Henderson, Cater, Now, Now, Connor, I know from we, we do our team selectors on the, uh, on the Echo website, and me and Jane's have had a go, and have we both picked the same front three? Yeah, the normal front three. Yeah, yeah. Now you've gone for something slightly different, haven't you? I have indeed, Ian. Um, I think, as Dan quite rightly pointed out, Fulham are in dire straits, and I think Liverpool have a massive opportunity to go and score as many goals as they can. So I play three at the back, and I put Cater and Shakiri right and left wing, Henderson and Milner sit in with the front three and just absolutely go for it. Cater and Shakiri on the wings. What on that right, wing left, back. right left midfield. Oh, right left midfield. Oh, yeah. That's different. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. three at the back, three centre-backs, Gomez, Lovren and Van Dijk. I know that obviously leaves out Robertson, but I think in a game like this, you can. Um, oh, so who have we got on the left wing, sorry? So left mid would be Shakiri, right mid would be 
fighter. So, but so are they playing wing backs? Wing backs. Essentially, yeah, but like three at the back. But <laughs> this is absolutely mental. <laughs> Connor Dunn reinventing the wheel. All out attack is what I want to see. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Strom's got so that's going to be in danger. So let's just try. Can we just nail down yeah, the exactly, eleven? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's pick this. So we've you, got you playing a goalie or not? Yeah, mini mini <laughs> goal. Is it Grabar and goal? No, so you've got Allison and goal, and and your centre backs are Van Dijk, Gomez, and Lovren. They are indeed right, and so left. Wing back, you've got Shakiri. I don't even think wing back though, because I think you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you no. Three in the back without wing backs. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Quite and on the right, you've got Cater. So that's six players, and you've got the front three, mm-hmm. who presumably are also playing out wide. The the, the wider yeah, people. Same. And then three who's again. your other two? Did you say Henderson and who? Henderson and Milner. Henderson and Milner bombing on because that's what they're renowned for doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you need <laughs> some holding players like that in a, a, a game? If you don't have a left <laughs> and right back, then I think so. <laughs> well, you probably do, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just have like, you know, just put Storage and Origi and Solanke. Just to see it. them all. Why not? All they're terrible. Are you... <laughs> Are you, are we in, look, all right, serious point now. Yeah. Is that in danger of underestimating Fulham and, as Dan said, falling into the same complacency? Because Dan's mentioned that I had to write this guy's name down. The, the Fulham manager is Slaviska Jukanovic, who, who I didn't know until recently. I've forgotten. He actually played for Chelsea for two years. Played against yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and he's actually said, or not him, but people have said about him, he needs to get. He said, "Yeah, I'll I'll be safe in my job if I get a positive result at Anfield on Sunday." Which yeah, and obviously he will know it's an important game for his career. Fulham know that they need to start getting some goals or some wins or some points or anything on the board in the Premier League. Um, but I just think you know Henderson and Milner can defend clearly, and I think there's a massive opportunity to go and score goals and. That's my team. So, I, I, so be I, it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we disagree on the fact that there being a massive opportunity to score goals and the fact that this, if they're gonna, don't get me if wrong. They're gonna, I'm not, if they're gonna experiment with formations, this will be a game where they could do it. But I think it's more having cater right wing back is perhaps the one where we're scratching our heads. James is still actually <laughs> nodding. It's not nodding, shaking his head. Sorry, anyone on the left? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you're going to do that, yeah, I'd go Trent and Moreno. Because at least they've got the legs to get up and down. Mm. I'd be very reluctant to put Cater in a role like that when he's still yeah, yeah. feeling his way into his Liverpool career. I just think the centre backs be able to do a job with them um, and just let the front or the next what six just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Connor might be looking a genius by yes, yes. ten to two something like that. I reckon. I reckon you should play that game. It's clearly not going to happen. You should I'm play not, that. You should, I'm well aware of that. Just the team I want to see. You should play that. That. that line up on footy manager and see what happens <laughs> I reckon you should do that in fact teams. we should in fact, there you go there's an idea there's an idea there's an idea every single time we do this team selector we should get somebody to play the game on footy manager and see what happens not the worst idea you've ever had it's, it's, it's not actually yeah. hashtag content yeah, yeah there have been some yeah, this ones, is yeah. only for me against Fulham like going forward in the midfield so I don't look like a total idiot 4 3 3 is clearly Liverpool's best formation um, I think Henderson I think Shakiri's looked you know Liverpool looks at their best every time Shakiri plays this season so far. Um, I think Henderson, we miss, you know, his football brain. We miss his work rate, we miss his attitude. And I think, you know, he deserves his place. And I think... To be would honest, would it have been of, slightly different in Belgrade had Henderson been playing? I think so, yeah. I think he just he just gets up for it and he just gets bang at it sometimes when Liverpool don't quite look. He just, yeah, he has that kind of attitude where he takes on a football game, which is kind of what we need. They looked like they, la- they, looked, like they lacked leaders out there. Yeah. At times on Tuesday. Which is a bit yeah, of a worry given the fact that they've got Milner and Van Dyke and Salah out there who are have I, been captains at their respective yeah. teams. And Wijnaldum, even yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, I'm a big fan of all those players, particularly like Wijnaldum, I've said before. I think he's, he's got kind of leadership 
qualities to him. But that, you know, for him, that was like a, a rehash in the bad old days last season when he would yeah, go missing away from home. Yeah, he off the board a bit, didn't he, in the last week or so? I thought he was... I think he's earned the right, though, he I went, think. Yeah, he's been brilliant yeah. so far. I mean, he, but he's performed at such a high level until probably the last week or so that then you really do notice the drop-off when... Mm. I when mean, he's, he's all action, isn't he? He's, he's real intensity into his game. Mm. and I mean, I, I couldn't get my head around not playing Gomez. Now, yeah, he, he had a knock. He had a knock. Did, he, did, had a yeah, knock. Yeah. Yeah. he didn't want to play him at all. Uh, but I didn't realise. Yeah. But in fact, now you've said that, leads me on to the player who he did replace at half-time, which is Trent Alexander-Arnold James. And he's somebody who, you know, he's had such a meteoric rise. We, we know we've written about it quite a lot. You know, you've known Champions League final playing for England in a World Cup at the age of 19. He's 20 now. But this season, he's just not quite been there. And, you know, he hasn't played every game. Klopp sought to maybe rotate him out of the team, give him a rest every now and again. But he's, he's almost like he's hit that you know, that thing that most young players get, which is that second season syndrome, because you know, it's second full season. Yeah. It's not quite happening for him. No, it's not. Um, but I think it was always, it's not a massive surprise, is it? Because, you know, I think, I think it's probably been a tough period for him just because he, he had that run, didn't he? Of probably 12 to 18 months of where everything he touched turned to gold. You know, the, all these amazing opportunities kept coming up or dealing with all the plaudits, you know, new contracts, playing in massive Champions League games and absolutely excelling. You think of the contribution he made en route to Kiev, you know, the job he did on Leroy Sane, you know, they they targeted him the way he stood up to that. Even in the final, you know, despite the disappointment of the result, you know, the way that he dealt with Ronaldo, even even this season, he hasn't, it's not like that he hasn't de- delivered at all. Like, you know, Firmino's really ship against, at Arsenal goes in, he's got a great assist there, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah, and he, you know, he did well against Neymar when PSG yeah. came mm. to... Hamfield. So, you know, he's gone toe-to-toe with some of the, like, the toughest attackers in world football. So, therefore, and done is well. he just tired? Yeah, I think there's part... I think probably maybe a little bit of mental fatigue as well as mm. physical fatigue. Because he, you know, obviously he came back early, didn't he? From He had he only had a short break after the World Cup. Um, you know, he was desperate to get back into pre-season um, ahead ahead of when he, when he... When he usually you'd have expected him to have come back. Um, so, yeah, I think... It's probably just the, the first real test in his career, and, and do you know what? He'll have and he'll have dozens of them over the course of the next fifteen years. But yeah, I must admit, I've had to defend him a few times on social media in the last week or two, just because. But it's just ridiculous. Like the the, the the mentality of some fans, and it is only a minority, but just just suddenly judging someone on the, the last ninety minutes they've seen and forgetting anything that's gone before and forgetting the age of a player. Um, you know, most kids, Trent Alexander-Arnold's age, are still in the academy system, gazing at the first team setup and dreaming that one day they'd make that leap. You know, he's—I think he made more appearances for Liverpool as a teenager than than Gerard or Carragher. You know, I think it was fifty-four before his twentieth birthday. As you said, played in the World Cup, played in the Champions League final. You know, he's a huge, huge talent who's just going through a little bit of a of, of a trough at the moment. But I got no doubt he'll come good again soon. Dan, is this slightly symptomatic of kind of what Klopp was getting at when we speak in his press conference that people just judge game by game and it's like everything's either brilliant or terrible and while that's okay for players who've kind of made it and you can judge them by what they've been like for the majority of their careers, it's a bit more difficult for the youngsters because there's always yeah. that fear, maybe not with the players themselves but with the fans that they don't want to build somebody up too much when they actually see them being very good, when they then have the inevitable dip, they're thinking, oh no, what's going to happen now? Where are they going to go after this? It's the modern way, isn't it? You know, there's no half measures these days. Everything's black and white, good or terrible. There's there's no grey areas, and probably nowhere is that, or few fewer arenas are that more pronounced um, than in football. 
I think, you know, what Trent's going through now really is almost like kind of like the price you have to pay for having made such meteoric progress in the last 18 months. It's physically impossible to maintain the kind of the angle of that upward curve. It's always going to level out a little bit. And you often find out more about a player and a player will find out more about himself in these times where things aren't really quite going to plan, where he's got to go back to the well, where he's got to kind of realise, you know what, I've I've played 50 games, I've played in this final, that final, but I'm still a young lad with a lot to learn. And he, do, he, he doesn't seem to be the kind of lad that has a massively inflated ego. But at the same time, he wouldn't be human if he maybe hadn't started to believe a little bit of his own hype. And a lot of it was absolutely justified. So... You know, I, I've 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 got no concerns about him whatsoever. I I think you know I hope that we're going to be I'm going to be looking back at in fifteen years or so time and feeling privileged in the same way I did with Steven Gerrard to have seen a player's entire Liverpool career from the start to the end. And you know, Steven St- Gerrard, one of the, the the greatest players in Liverpool's history, was not without spells in his career when things dipped a little bit for him, and he had to kind of take a step back have a little think, reinvent himself a little bit. That's what the best players do. And to me, one of Trent's most heartening aspects is is the mental side of things. He just seems to have a terrific, a terrific attitude, a, a willingness to work and to learn. And I think he, you know, he will come back stronger than ever. Before we go on to our predictions for the game on Sunday, I just want to talk about something that once much to say got overlooked during the game. But Roberto Firmino, Connor, was effectively dropped, wasn't he? For the game, I think so anyway, because he's not been playing particularly well at the moment. Stur- Daniel Sturridge came in, okay, missed the chance, then Firmino was on at half time. But is Firmino somebody you're worried about in terms of his form overall, or is, or is he just, to a lesser degree, suffering from the same problem that Trent's suffering by just being tired? The, the whole, as James mentioned, yeah. mental and physical fatigue from the World Cup. I was going to just literally say exactly that. I think it's going to be exactly the same problem as you're seeing with Trent. Just the tiredness, I think, you know. The pressure as well is totally different for the players this year and that will affect them mentally. They will know there's more of a buzz and more of a hype around them. They will know that this is a great opportunity for them. They will know what the fans are thinking and feeling. And obviously they're sheltered from that and, but you know, they're not silly. So, yeah, and I think massively, same same deal. I think so the point I'd make about Firmino, we were talking before about the balance of the, midf- of the midfield and how yeah, we're, we're missing that kind of attacking thrust. And it's been quite noticeable in the last couple of games that Firmino at times has been playing quite a bit deeper. Well, it was the start Possibly. of the season. He was, remember, he was dropping really, really deep mm. and everybody was thinking, oh, is this a change in tactics? But I mean, he, he was never an out-and-out centre-forward, was he? he, was, he was, that, that, to me, was always one of his greatest assets that makes him so hard to pick up. But I do think there may be possibly a slight element of him under instruction, presumably from the manager, trying to provide a bit more of that creativity from deep, has possibly taken away taken away from him at the at the top end of the pitch. James, yeah, I'd go along with that. Um, yeah, I thought he's just. I know I asked Klopp about it over in Belgrade the night before the game, and whether he was concerned. I think it was it one goal in his last ten appearances now. Um, you know, the other stat, stat knocking around after the game at the Emirates was that no Premier League player has started more games than Firmino since the start of last season. Um, and although, you know, I know people say oh, he didn't play much at the World Cup, but he was still away and still, you know... He's still tra- training, isn't tra- the thing? Yeah, that just yeah, annoys me, that does. Especially yeah. if, if you're on the bench and you've you come on in nearly every yeah. game, he's going to be and warming he up. On, he did and he did come on the bench. Well, yeah. Jesus didn't score one goal, did he? Yeah. And yet still started yeah. every game, which must have been a real... Yeah. Frustrating, and, for and, and, frustrating for you, though, clearly. 
Well, I love Firmino. Straws that stirs, straw that stirs the drink as I've regularly christened him. But yeah, it, there are parallels. I know, obviously, very different in terms of age and experience, but there are parallels with Trent in terms of just because Firmino performed at such a ridiculously high level week in, week out last season, what he scored twenty-seven. Um, he's just, you know, at the moment, a pale shadow of the of, of the player we saw then, but. Saying that, I would still play him on Sunday just because I think, and I'd play Trent as well actually, just because I think I think this is a, a perfect game to to get some confidence back into players like that. Well, just finally then on the game, we know Connor that you've gone with three five two with about fifteen players up front, <laughs> um, despite them all being midfielders. No one on the left. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, you said did you the pair of you said Henderson, Cater, and Shakiri yeah. in midfield, who, who, and with the front three. And who we say in, in defence? Yeah, Trent right back, Robertson left back, and Gomez and Van Dijk in the I, middle. Well, I think Lovren will play, and Gomez will I, play right back, is what I think. Was and Lovren I, ill in, in, in yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, having had a minor groin issue last weekend. You, I mean, no. he misses too many games, doesn't he? He does. It is, you know, and that, it's a problem for him as well in terms of getting his place back on a regular basis. Agree, yeah. Because, um, uh, but yeah... But the per- that's my team, but I think yeah. you're right. I actually, th- I think Lovren probably will start just because he's fresh and and and, he'll, and, I, and I think I think Klopp will, will want his experience out there. But I, I still think from what we've seen so far this season, Gomez and, and Van Dijk is the is, is is Liverpool's. It's been the best partnership so far this season, and also I know maybe you could argue that Trent maybe doesn't merit a start in terms of the last few performances. But as I said, I, th- I think in a game where Liverpool are going to have so much of the ball, uh, you know, and, and I just think this might be the game to get Trent going again. I mean, I think I've gone with Wijnaldum in midfield instead of Keita, Keita, Naby, whatever we're going to call him. So, <laughs> so final thing then, Dan, what do you think the score's going to be? I'm going to say Liverpool 5, Fulham 0. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? The, yeah, uh, thank you, Christian. That is exactly <laughs> my scoreline. Five zip. Five nil. Five zip. Even with your team. I thought that was quite a limited. Limited. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days on Sunday. You know, my, my only, I think the only concern about this game, and Klopp touched upon it in his press conference today, is the kickoff time. Yeah. Just because I, I just think. Do you reckon you'll be there in be, time? <laughs> we're not coming from old traffic no, yeah. it's just it's just why a is it 12 o'clock it's a stupid time it well, it's because, because it's three games yeah but why it? don't they just play the game at three o'clock on be, 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 on Saturday because why just should don't they don't put it on three, three TV games isn't it? So, and why yeah, would the footballing authorities waste an opportunity to will for, uh, to, 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 to inconvenience fans like Fulham, well, Fulham I mean, exactly uh, how are they going to get that they'll have to drive I mean the Manchester derby yeah, there's no well apart from all, obviously all the United fans coming up from London. There isn't it. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Don't at me, by the way. <laughs> send, send your request to Ian Doyle at trinitywear.com. Um, we're PLC. sorry. Reach PLC. Reach PLC.com. You've got to be careful. Um, reach around anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, anyway, it, it, it is a ridiculous kickoff time, and unfortunately, symptomatic of the contempt the people that run the game still have for paying spectators. Massive sympathy to the to the Fulham fans having to set up at that at that time. It's absolutely out of yeah. order. It's too and, early and, the, to and the clubs need to do something about it. The clubs need to stand up for supporters more. But they're not going to, are they? No. No. Um, but <laughs> right, that's but <laughs> well, we're still going to moan about the, it. The yeah. knock-on effect of that is that the just you know I know Klopp said message to fans everyone can please please go to bed <laughs> early on Saturday there's going to be no atmosphere yeah, there's going to uh, be no atmosphere and bring your best to the game and that if you think it's going to be easy don't bother coming 
um, hmm? was essentially Lucky his, I'm uh, working in here, then. Was his, <laughs> was his message. But yeah, it, do you speaking to you there, James? If you're not going to bring your best for this, get your good intros the, out for I this mean, the, one. The reality is, it is the kind of game where the players are going to have to get the crowd going rather yeah. than vice versa. It's unrealistic to think that Amphor's going to be some bubbling cauldron. cauldron at two minutes to twelve on <laughs> Sunday because, um, yeah, most people will still be. They'll be wondering whether to have their dinner beforehand. It's awkward, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to be a brunch, it's got, to, it's got to be like a, a full English about 10. 11s is. 11s is. 11s is snacks. So if, what are you going to be doing? Well, see, I was thinking about that. I mean, I'd like to go, I tend like to go for a little run in the morning, particularly before a match and a few beers afterwards. And it's kind of like, it's an awkward one. I'm still just debating whether to drive or not. No, so you, you don't know whether... I was thinking, what are you going to have for your breakfast? Oh, well, <laughs> probably, probably smoked salmon. Any, any plans for tonight? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to ask me what, what, what I'm wearing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, on the, that's on the later After Hours podcast. Prediction. I'm wise. not on that one, don't worry. Thank God. I've, Prediction. I've, what three, did you say? 5-0 and 5-0 and 8-0 yeah. with your team, Connor? Yeah. 12, whatever yeah. you want. 3-1. 3-1. I think Fulham will score. I think it'll be 4-1, Liverpool. Yeah, they have scored, yeah. A fair few, haven't they? But they just, yeah. they're just horrendous and at the does, other end. And therefore, does that mean that their manager will be sacked after the game? Yes. Yes. So yeah, even with 3-1? So I mean, 3-1 would be a very credible nah, result I think, for them. I think, I think he'll they get, get tanked So basically, <laughs> <laughs> the, in, the, the international break usually spells bad news. Yeah, and yeah, the managers so are so on the brink. ultimately, our prediction from this game is the fuller manager is going to get sacked. But do you know what I also think? I think, I think United will get something against City. Yeah, I, I think it. Oh, I think. Well, I, I, I thought well. United would have got something against Juventus, which they did in the end. Italy was a bit surprised that they left it quite so late. Well, I did see your tweet after the yes. game going, MUFC are back. Are you a bit of a closet Man United fan? <laughs> no, I'm just... Because yes, I saw you your just... tweet beforehand going, oh, fancy them to get somewhere there. You seem to be glorifying it a little bit I think you'll find that... Just because... like the notoriety of yeah. people. Yeah, I think I'm, put, I'm, I'm putting the psychological pressure on Manchester United's players because they know that they... I know that they're looking at my tweets thinking... Of oh, course they are. That's what it is. It's just cranking it up. So what did you say, James? The four one, three one. Sorry, three one. And I'm four one, five nil, and five nil, five nil. Right. Uh, join us next week where we will look back at Fulham's win against Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> and look ahead to the international break. Hey, you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.